Stuart Lennon as I live and hopefully breathe. TJ Cosgrove, what a delight it is to hear your dulcet tones. Mm-hmm. And peek behind the curtain. We recorded not that long ago because when we recorded the last episode, by the time people listen to that, you'll be swanning it up in London. Indeed, yeah. I will be, um, as that goes, yeah, I'll be, um, oh, I'll be, yep, I'll be getting into a day of uh, anti-money laundering stress testing. Oh, signs. I tell you what, let me talk you through that. No, no, let's not do that. Um, (laughs) We lost 400 listeners at the very mention of that. You should see me. I can empty a conference room in minutes. In minutes, fabric. People, it's better than a fire drill. People say to me, "Why do you do so many jokes?" <laughs> because when you get to the real material, everybody goes. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no. Yes, mm. through the magic of the internet, uh, we are appearing very much in the same sort of mode as we appeared last time you heard us. Although mm. there has been there has been a break. There's been a change of mood. There has. Uh, there's, there's been a little bit of music, a little musical interlude. Um, I changed the color of my Apple Pencil supplied notes on our show notes. Oh, well, I, I, I have to go and... and <gasps> so you have. The future's bright. The future's orange. Orange uh, this time. Good. Remember when that was a phone company? I do. And I always, always, always wanted to know, did they run that campaign in Northern Ireland? Yes, they did. I remember seeing it and... There is a storied history with the colour orange here. There's a storied history with a lot of colours in Northern Ireland. But uh, yes, they did. I remember that promotion. Wow. I remember their their logo was a little orange square yep. that said orange. It's quite straightforward. Yes. And a French company somewhat insensitive to Northern Ireland and its, uh, its proclivity for colour. <laughs> I'm imagining that there was a part of the population who weren't thrilled by the concept of the future being orange. Well, see, it's a weird one, right? Because um, the connotation there is that there's the Orangeman Lodge and that kind of thing. That's a particularly Protestant thing. But also, uh, if you're you know, of a more nationalist persuasion, uh, the Irish flag heavily features orange. So it could be one of those scenarios where both sides are going, yeah, that's ours, they'll hate that. While the other one's going, yeah, that's ours, they'll hate that. Hmm. Or, or even better from a marketing point of view, they could have found that perfect solution where everybody hates it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. The the YouTube approach. Mm. Just make everyone mad. Could be. Could be. Well, look at that. Politics already. And we're, we're barely three minutes in. Uh, of mm. course, uh, it's been a week since we spoke. So Brexit's now sorted. Um, yep. All finished, sorted, done and, and dusted. I'd, like, I'd like to congratulate Justin Trudeau on becoming the Queen. Um <laughs> the Queen of England and the Queen of England is now strangely the Prime Minister of Canada I don't know why that happened just just switched um, makes as much sense as anything that's else good. does um, and of course Donald Trump undoubtedly by now has been impeached um, or or at least oranged <laughs> um, or pastelled of some shade of, I, I, heaven I've no idea what's going on over there either it all seems very bizarre I mean, of all the dodgy things that he did, that was the thing they decided to get excited about. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, again, <sighs> it's it's one of those ones where the news cycle is so 
out of whack, so unimaginably uh, conscience-defying that it, you just kind of go, ah, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, what's new? What new horrible fire has started that we're now looking at the smoke from? Yep, yep absolutely. It's, it's the world we live in. So, on that merry and happy note, <laughs> what are you writing in and on, TJ? Let me let me scroll up my show notes because I've gone digital in <gasps> the show notes if you didn't remember from last week. Um, I'm writing on the iPad Pro 12.9 with iPad OS 13.1 with the Apple Pencil 2 just because there's a healthy dosage of numbers in there. But on a less digital front, <laughs> I've been writing with a, a free pencil that made its way to me from Europe. Uh, and Meg was at a, a work conference in Brussels and has brought me back the uh, very nice, uh, very cheaply manufactured Dolce Hotels and Resorts by Wyndham promotional pencil, which is a chain of hotels. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, it's like, if I smell it, I think it's a basswood or basswood um, pencil, just a simple run-of-the-mill promo pencil, nothing terribly exciting about it. But it's it's quite nice. It's nice to get pencils from places. Um, they don't necessarily have a lot of value for their intrinsic writing quality, but there's something nice about a pencil that captures the spirit of a trip or the location that you've been to or a loved one has been to. So I, I like the, the little bit of heritage behind it, which, hmm, maybe that'll come into it later. Mm. Well, I mean, obviously, depending on the, what has in fact happened with Brussels, that, that could be contraband. This is true. Yeah, Brussels has actually turned into an archipelago and um, declared itself uh, the new head of Europe. Probably. Um, I I would say so. Uh, At least of vegetables. (laughs) That's just the way... (laughs) Yeah, Sprite, the new Sprite empire. It's a a very strange time to to watch the news. Mm. So I'm just not... Okay, it's a a very rational response. Well, uh, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. How have you resolved the end of show notes pad issue? What are you writing on with your Wyndham promo pencil? Uh, well, you see, I'm not writing on any kind of physical oh. medium with that oh. at the minute. I'm just kind of doodling with whatever's here. The show notes are all digital, baby. They're all iPad now. So that, that radio pad was, was it. That was the end of that the was, analog show notes. Yeah. Well, it is the current end i mean if you get ten thousand signatures uh, maybe i'll consider it mm. um to go back to it well it it's more of an issue of i didn't buy another notebook and while i can write on a great many things i like the form factor of that uh, and so i kind of want to keep it in that and we needed to record an episode and i had this nice shiny ipad sit in front of me so i thought wow well, why not yeah. but the nice thing i can do is i can i can share our digital show notes in a, in a variety of ways, which would be interesting, but I don't know. I'm not saying never, but I am enjoying the digital show notes. It's quite nice to be able to play around with colors and shapes. And then there's this funky tool that you don't get on a on a normal pencil. It looks like a pencil, but it's got like black and gray stripes on it. And I can just draw around something and then just whoop, move it around the, the page. Wow. Well, I can't see. Like a little selection tool. That because obviously we're- yeah, you can see me doing that, but just know that it is magical. And it's not easily replicable by an analog pencil. Okay, I'll, I'll believe you. Even though <laughs> the the sinking capability of uh, of notes appears to have gone slightly backward in the world of thirteen, um, 
I think it's because my internet in the back of my house could be considered as non-existent. Uh, so the Wi-Fi kind of dies a death once you go past the, the back bedroom. No. And so if I point the iPad towards the front of the house, it'll pick up the, the signals. And it's in fact, if I hold it up in the air now, I can see it uploading or downloading. But if I have it on the desk, no, nothing. Wow. It's, I'm sure Steve Jobs' house was exactly the same. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah, potentially. And in a slightly drier climate, I'm going to guess. Yeah, well, that's not terribly difficult. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, no, today? no, no. Let Hang on. I've, I've got my writing. writing. I'm still. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, that's some sense. What are we talking about in the writing? Yeah, no. For arena. the first time in weeks, I've actually got a change. So I'm quite excited. Um, I'm finally <laughs> using uh, uh, Blackwing 42. The, uh, oh, Jackie Robinson, was it? Baseball player? Yeah. Yep. Um, um, it's, uh, it's a white pencil, TJ. Um, it's, it's, I've got one on the desk. It writes and stuff. It's nice. And yeah, it's, it's nice. I'm, I'm not in love with it yet, but it usually takes me a little while to get into a, to a new Blackberry. Uh, and I'm writing in. I like the blue racer. Yes, I do. And the ferrule as well. It's quite a cool mm. color. It's a sort of steely gray about it, isn't there? Sort of bronziness going on there. Gunmetal, I believe. Gunmetal. <clears throat> well, that, that'll sell them, sell them a few boxes, I would have thought. Um, EDC gunmetal, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now, now you're really upping the selling. Um, and I'm, I'm writing in uh, what can only be described as one of the weirder notebooks uh, that I've been involved in. So this was uh, Nero's Notes Basics um, are designed to be uh, low cost, um, well made, but not necessarily the highest quality materials. Uh, you know, they sort of, I suppose they'd be a sort of British field note, if you see what I mean. Little bit quirky, little bit of character. Um, and our first go at them, we had one of those conversations that you should never have in manufacturing, which is, yep, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, the paper, yeah, that seems fine. Just do, uh, just do a grid. Okay. Yep. Cool. Thanks very much. Bye. Uh, and the grid is one centimeter by one centimeter. <laughs> That's quite a large grid. So um, <laughs> it kind of looks a little bit like an unfinished tartan notebook. <laughs> I mean, one centimeter, your notebook is what? 10 centimeters wide? Uh, I'm just... Five on. centimeters wide. So we're basically eight full uh, columns plus two halves uh, across. Yeah. Um, one, on one side. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen, and two halves uh, lengthwise. So it's the. So that is pretty much essentially a centimeter because it's eight by. Yeah, there's four, fourteen 15. by nine sort of yeah. sort of setup. Um, <laughs> um, I'd say with a little bit of a little bit of shading, you can make some very nice tartan designs, um, which. <laughs> <laughs> for, for Nero's Nero's uh, tartan uh, kilts, uh, or the 1857 mm. tartan, I mean, this is the, I the perfect design foil, uh, which is obviously what we had in mind subconsciously when we came up with this grid. Um, <laughs> what do you call the little tiny knife or the little tiny bag that you put in the front of a kilt? Uh, well, uh, for English people, you call it a dirk, uh, which is a sort of generic term mm-hmm. for a dagger uh, in Scots. Um, 
for wearing with a kilt. It's a ski and do. Um, how do you spell? Oh, <laughs> don't be silly. Uh, it's S G I A N H. Uh, either a hyphen or a space D H U, something like that. I think ski and do. Yeah, that looks appropriately. Yeah, it's appropriately Gaelic. Um, because <laughs> uh, that that is how Gaelic works. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm now. Oh, look at that! Uh, uh, I'm just putting it into Google. Yeah, I was close. So it's S G I A N new word D U B H S B H S. Yes, as in British homestores. <laughs> so uh, an English person would read this and go Sergian Dubs. <laughs> Who sounds like the the finder of a popular menswear brand or something? Exactly. Um, but yes, that's a ski and do. Um, and yeah, you wear it in his sock. Ah, uh, and again, the the reason behind it allegedly is that uh, because of the rules of hospitality, uh, and because uh, Scots are many things, but they're not stupid. If you turned up to someone's house, uh, it was polite to, to check your broadsword at the door, um, but. Uh, any self-respecting Highland psychopath would, would feel naked without some sort of weapon and so uh, would wear uh, a skin do in his sock just in case it all kicked off over the desserts. There you are. English trifle, not on <laughs> your life. Yes, something along those <laughs> lines, I suspect. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's... If you haven't bought one of these, then I recommend that you do immediately, uh, because these are going to be quite, quite rare birds. Uh, we we had the original run done. You mean the notebook, not the skin? Yes, do. the notebook. The, uh, the notebook <laughs> is a extremely limited edition. Once they are gone, they are gone, uh, and Grid will return in a slightly more, shall we say, usual format, uh, familiar format of of a smaller Grid. Um, <laughs> Almost half the size. Just go, yeah, go go the other direction. Then go microgrid. <laughs> go like complete mesh. Uh, yeah. Well, this this is one of those ones where Claire sort of raised a little flag. Um, and the subtext of which was open brackets. What have you dopey idiots done? Um, and uh, <laughs> Rob and I had one of those sort of sheepish conversations on Slack going, Oh, yeah, I, I, I thought you were looking at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, right, good, okay, mm, isn't it? Uh, but I, I rather like it. I think it's nice. Um, and I love the books. The book's really nice. They've got a lovely little uh, card, blue card cover uh, with the Nero's mm. logo and stuff on it, which obviously very dear to my heart. Um, and, yeah, they're made in England. And uh, you tell the manufacturer, he's so right on, honestly. Handmade in England, please recycle. There is no plan B. There you are. Excellent. A notebook that lectures you as well. Fabulous. <laughs> uh, but no, they are nice little notebooks. Um, we're going to be producing those in grid, dot, uh, ruled, and plain. Uh, and they're exactly what the name would suggest. They're supposed to be basics. Nice little nice little pocket notebooks for those amazing little Very notes. Very good. Um... What about watching? You watching anything on uh, the television? The telebobs? I am not watching currently, but I am 
planning, if I can get this uh, episode recorded early enough this evening, to watch the first episode of Chernobyl. Oh, I heard great things about that. Mm, I watched a little bit of a video today about it. Uh, Now, I did an awful lot of reading about the actual Chernobyl disaster Mm -hmm. several years ago. Uh, Nuclear power plants and nuclear fission and things like that is something that interests me. And so I did a lot of reading in and around it and didn't really realize until the show came out like oh right actually there's a lot more that i haven't seen in terms of actual footage and stuff uh and so i watched some of the tv show clips side by side with the real life essentially documentary footage mm. it's oh compelling stuff yeah um i i don't think it's going to be one that i'm going to come away from beaming going that was amazing i'm really glad i saw that yeah, for sure. i think it's going to be quite disheartening and sad and, and there's there's still people today dealing with the the repercussions of this tragic be. event. There will be for generations. And there will be for years and years to come, yeah. So I think it's going to be really interesting, but maybe a little bit somber show because I haven't heard anyone say it was class. I loved it. I wish they made more TV like that in the terms of it, it wasn't so fun. It was, uh, that was amazing television. Uh, horrible. I You know, those bits of it that I hated. That's I've heard that from people saying... Some of it's hard to watch, sure. but it's really important that you watch it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be really interesting. And I, I've been meaning to watch it for ages. We got a little uh, US, not USB, a little HDMI stick for the, the television in the bedroom, which gets all kinds of Now TV stuff. So I'm able to watch it in there. So I think if I can squeeze one episode in tonight, I'm going to do that. Okay, dokie. Very good. Well, um, I will have been watching or will be watching, um, lots of BBC news and things, uh, because I'm in the UK. Um, I do have the ability to do that in Cyprus, but it's all out by a couple of hours. So, um, I don't know, in the UK, I would I would very often watch the news at nine o'clock in the evening, because mm-hmm. that's their main bulletin, um, but depending which channel you would be, nine or ten. Or, um, and that kind of sort of fit into the rhythm of life. Because I'm two hours ahead here, it's like, oh, yes, I'll just sit around and wait for the news at 11. Oh, oh no, maybe I won't. It's, it's just a bit weird <laughs> the way that, that time shift just affects it. And in many ways, it helps me turn, turn off the telly. I will yeah. say that I heard on the radio uh, over in Cyprus um, that Netflix have announced Stranger Things 4. Yep, I saw a little uh, promo trailer. We're not in Hawkins anymore. Oh, are we not? Where are we now? It, that's all it says. Oh, oh. Well, uh, I'm sure. But yes, somebody will get stuck in the upside down. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm hooked. Well, intrigued. I was listening to the soundtrack today, actually, while I was working on some stuff. It is, oh, fantastic. There's a, there's probably an episode on nostalgia somewhere in us somewhere, but um, that show is nostalgia personified even for people like me who caught the tail end of what it's talking about sure yeah uh, mal rats and all that just yeah no mm-hmm. I, I think it's um no, very well but we've covered this before very well made um yeah good viewing class tv that's the technical term and listening what are you listening to what am i listening let me check my own show note um i'm still listening to the D podcast uh, but i was interspersing it today with as i said some some vaporware. You know what that is? I haven't the faintest notion, but I thought I'd try and sound knowledgeable. 
<laughs> so vaporware is this weird intersection of music stuff that is like imagine a vhs tape and the music from the 80s and the vibe from stranger things mm-hmm. was boiled up and condensed and made into some sort of weird auditory lsd tablet that's what vaporwave is i guess it's very strange very retro uh evocative kind of sound lots of like lo-fi instruments very electronic very beat driven um almost always nostalgia sort of derived so there's you know, 80s sort of sounds the very synthy kind of hits that kind of thing okay. um there is a a video i saw today i didn't watch all of it i only saw a clip of it that basically takes sort of vaporwave and mixes it with footage from stranger things 3 uh, so I'll try and find that video. That's maybe a good introduction to the the concept. But it's kind of like electronic music with an 80s bent to it that is very easy listening, very few words, not really a lyric kind of thing. It's more of just nice electronic back music, very, very rhythmic. Uh, I find it's very productive for me when I'm working on something to have something that just churns in the background, kind of like a metronome type effect to keep me working. It sounds very cool. So between this and Master Boot Record, I've got you set for weird alternative music. Yeah, well, listening, I'm going to be doing a lot of listening, partially because I'm on a couple of airplanes. Um, So I will be catching up with podcasts. I think I'll probably get into an audio book or two. Um, Mm, Very good. I say um, I'm flying with Margaret, uh, and then pretty much once we land... Uh, she's helping out with the pen show, uh, which would have already happened by the time this goes out. Oh, dear, the magic of the internet. Um, <laughs> uh, and then we part ways for the week, really. She's off doing uh, doing her thing, and I'm off doing the worky thing. And then we will literally meet up, I think, on the Friday, uh, where I'm going to a gala dinner uh, in a suit, going, oh, it's lovely, what, hello. Uh, lots of middle-aged white men sitting around congratulating each other, uh, me included. Um, and she was doing something far less boring, I would have thought. And then we will literally meet up at the hotel, uh, go to bed, get up the next morning and do the whole, um, going to an airport in, in London, which is always, always a nightmare. <laughs> because have you booked with Thomas Cook though? Uh, no, we are with British Airways who, uh, as a consequence of Brexit have already gone bust, uh, Oh, we're going with British Airways, whose stock price has soared since Brexit. Uh, you can edit which one of those is wrong. Out, but, um, <laughs> yeah, who I'll, I'll just pick and choose. We should do a choose your own episode. We <laughs> <laughs> recorded in, in, in beforehand, and then in post, I'll choose what is most appropriate based on the news that morning. Well, now you should build an app for it. We'd have listener-driven podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, Content that uh, reads your thought patterns. That's it, exactly. You give it little people. I'm sure if you spoke to Marco Armin, he could put little buttons on, and you. I, it's the future. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I'll be listening to loads of uh, different things, and why not put a bit of vaporwave? It sounds like it might be the sort of thing that would be be quite restful to listen to at the end of a end of a sort of day, yeah, worky thingy. Yeah, there's different tones, certainly. Like you can get ones that are a bit more driving upbeat kind of thing but a lot of them are that kind of lo-fi very it's background music but with a purpose so it's not just like something you put on in a coffee shop so that it doesn't sound like cups clinking all the time 
it's more purposeful, but it's also a weird aesthetic kind of aspirational thing about it. Um, it it's hard to sum up, but you'll hear it and you'll go, oh, it's just like such and such. And you'll name some band that doesn't exist, like the, the, and I'll go, yeah, yeah, okay, Dan. <laughs> Almost certainly. Almost certainly. <laughs> exactly what will happen. <laughs> um, well, reading, um, I, I'm, given that we spoke 15 minutes ago, oh, maybe a bit longer than that, uh, I haven't, in fact, started the book that I said I was about to start. Uh, so I'm still looking forward to reading The Sundarshan by Anthony Ray Hinton. About you, mm. I did actually make time this afternoon to read at my desk. Normally, uh, I'm very busy in work, and what'll happen is I'll eat my lunch quite quickly, or I'll eat my lunch while doing emails or something, or I'll eat my lunch while I'm doing something else, maybe watching a video and catching up on something. Uh, but I'm trying to be a little bit more purposeful with my time. So today, I made a point of I actually put on some vaporwave. I put it on the background, and I sat back in my chair. And I took my copy of Analog, which has been relegated to my office shelf for several weeks now. I have not read up on it. And I sat and read, I think it was two and a half stories while I had my lunch, which is a really nice, relaxed way of spending my lunchtime. Um, And I really, really enjoyed it. And I knew I would, which is why I brought it in. But it's very easy for me to get caught up in, well, I'll just do this, I'll just do that. Well, I'll just... Fine, I'll sort this before. And then all of a sudden you look up and you've worked through what you were intending to be your lunchtime. Uh, and so being a little bit more intentional and trying to actually take a break and, and then stop, I think would be quite helpful. So we'll see. Maybe I'll start taking that magazine and going out of my office and going maybe down to one of the communal areas or coffee shop or something and just you know take half an hour, 45 minutes and just sit, have my lunch, but read. Because I'm finding that that time for reading is one of the first things that I let go when I get busy, because it's a luxury, it's a thing sure. I enjoy. But yeah. I, you know, when you're when you're going, oh, I need to get this done, this done, this done. All of a sudden, you cut out TV, you cut out reading, you cut out all this, the stuff you like, but that falls by the wayside. Yeah, no, I I, I was thinking about something very similar because I've um, for oh it must be almost two and a half weeks now. Um, I've sort of reinstated instituted um doing some habit tracking in my bullet journal mm, and so I've, yeah. I've just done a very simple little grid um with some things that i want to get done each day or what i want to measure each day and the first or the last couple of weeks september yeah pretty good and then uh as october gets going yeah yeah i'm sort of hitting all my targets uh, and then i just looked and i thought oh wow i haven't put reading in there Whereas previously I used to, to have that in there. And it's amazing how not having it in there has, you know, combined with me just letting it slip, really. Yeah, uh, it's very easy. It's one of those things that'll fall by the wayside, given half the chance. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's simple little things like that that uh, constantly annoy me for a start. So I think, why is it that because I've drawn a little grid in a notebook, I feel coerced to i mean i have swim okay so every day i want to swim for a minimum of 15 minutes but but hopefully 30 now why should writing that in a notebook make it an imperative for me and yet it does i look at the notebook and go, oh, yeah do i really want to put a cross there oh all right i'll go and have a swim and you know I, invariably i feel a million times better for it um sort of come back to my desk refreshed and, you know, I sort of time it all around lunch and all that stuff. 
I just think, why should that be so important to me? Um, because I haven't put reading there. I haven't read anything in two weeks. <laughs> it's, oh, it's nuts. I don't know. We're weird, weird animals. But I think part of it is that intentionalness. Like, we are the cause of and, and solution to 99% of our problems. Oh, sure. And so giving yourself that externalization of your own thought. So you've gone, I should read more or I should I should make time for reading. I should make time for swimming. And then your brain's gone, hmm, busy today. Never mind about swimming. It's not really that important. So your brain has thought both of those things, but you writing it down brings it out of your head and puts it onto paper. So all of a sudden it's not you going, hmm, I should do this. It's you from the past, you know, fighting you from now. Sure. The present you in combat with past you going, uh, what actually do we care about here? What is important? And well, you, you, you said yesterday that you wanted to do that. So is that still important? And I think sometimes just that simple reminder that, hmm, you thought this yesterday. Okay. Do I think that now? I suppose I do. Kind of just forgot it in the moment. Yeah. Be worthwhile doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, the, um, the argument is, is about, as you say, past you taking some time, in, in my case, half an hour, right. What are the things that have sort of slipped away that I want to have back because I think that they're good for me, either in terms of health or in terms of just my general sort of routine and my productivity? And what are those things? Bang, bang, bang. And that person has a sensible, rational discuss, discussion with himself and says, right, these are the things that I'm going to do. These are the measures that I'm going to use to say, yes, you've succeeded or no, you haven't. Bang, bang, bang. There we go. Then, as you say, in the sort of maelstrom of life where you're trying to answer six emails and slacks going bananas and all of those things you go <laughs> no oh no i don't have time to do it. i don't have. there's the bit of you going well hang on we've had this discussion make the time to do this slack will still be there when you come back type thing um yeah and it is uh, it pains me to say a very very good way of building a habit um so simple but I've, uh, for example, I've now meditated for mm, 19 days, I think, on the trot. Wow. Now, and so that is what, a uh, couple of hours, not a couple of hours, a couple of minutes or yeah, in the mornings? How ten, minute, ten minutes. Form? Ten minutes. I use, uh, I use an app, <laughs> bizarrely enough, um, called Calm. And there's a, there's a daily meditation. It's ten minutes. It's Tamara Lovett, who has a soothing voice. Um and, you know, I mean, I, I, I mock, but I, I mock very affectionately because, you know, I, I really enjoy that 10 minutes. I find it very difficult, um, along with, I think, everyone else who meditates. Um, but just taking that 10 minutes to, I suppose, focus on the me, the, the moment, the sort of the, the, the existence, just being here, uh, I find really helpful. And yet, I guarantee you that at some point in the next few weeks, I will lose the habit. Um, it will be a challenge oh, yeah. to do in the UK, for sure. But um, it is literally 10 minutes. And everybody's got 10 minutes. Um, and it just makes me a lot calmer. Uh makes me much more able to cope with the things that uh, that life throws at you. Some of which, I dare say, we will be discussing in a little while. <laughs> Drinking. Drinking anything? I made myself a coffee in our little interim. Uh, and I made, I warmed up some milk. And then I 
poured into that, well, the machine poured for me a Costa Lungo Espresso, which is essentially just a small Americano, if you want to you know, read it in English. Uh, it's basically just coffee with hot water. Coffee with hot water in hot milk uh, to make a sort of simulacrum of a latte. It wasn't quite a latte, but it was something close. And I had that because it's a little bit colder and I wanted something you know, warm and I could have had a beer, but I thought, you know what? It's actually, it's kind of cold. What temperature are we on? It is 9.6 degrees outside. Burr! So we're at single fingers. Yeah. That's no good. So it's it's hot beverages and, and winter nights, which I must admit, though I complain about them, it is, there's something oddly pleasant about a cold night and a warm beverage and, you know, the, the cozy vibes and getting all that huga into your house. It's, uh-huh. it's good. Well, I, I've got the opposite experience. It's uh, it's 20 degrees out there. Um, it's 10 o'clock at night. It's uh, quite humid, so I'm having something over ice. Uh, I just, just in fact, poured it. Uh, VO31, my, my favourite Cypress brandy. Um, just, it's it's kind of nightcap time for me now. Uh, yeah, winding down, getting ready for, for bed and... Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got, what have I got? I've got quite a light day tomorrow. I've got some work in the morning because that's when I do most of my sort of uh, corporate stuff I do very early. And then I'm playing golf at uh, about midday. It's the, it's the last round for my, for my visitor, um, Christian, who's going back to Wales, uh, where, well, from what I can gather, any golf course in, in the vicinity is probably under about four foot of water at the moment. So, uh, <laughs> He's oh <laughs> quite anxious to get a game in before before returning to the, the joys of a Welsh winter. Atlantis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a little, little nightcap, and well, I, I don't know. I, I imagine for the topic, uh, the notes I've seen, I, I'm going to need fortification, TJ. <laughs> uh, and I, oh, I've just seen the show notes have have updated, not with your most recent ones, but uh, I think we're probably a few notes behind. Um, the last, the last note I have from you is a ski and do. So, oh yeah, I'm a little bit further on, but I have been just listening rather than um, writing for a minute. So I, I need to need to write some stuff down. I've just seen what's the what's the brand are you having? Uh, uh, Vo thirty one. Um, I've written it before, but I'll write it again. Yeah, it's uh, thirty one is the is the strength. So that's thirty one percent by roll. Oof, that's not. Diluted. Well, no, a, a real brand is 40, so it's... Uh, it is diluted. Yeah, okay. so, so you can't call it brandy. <laughs> You've got to call it Cypress Spirit, according to the mm. uh, the EU. Paranormal of investigations. The EU, of whom we... Britain is no longer a member, uh, of whom Britain is still a founding member. Um, again, delete which one of those isn't true. In fact, neither of them are true. But anyway, um, what about buying? You mean buying a thing? Let me check the <gasps> show notes. I've just yeah. seen the show notes. Again, yeah. This is... So I haven't bought it yet. This is oh, another okay. caveat. I haven't bought it yet. But I am considering it quite strongly. Uh, my little uh, Nespresso mini coffee machine that I got from the house a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It has completely changed the way I drink coffee. I love it. I'm drinking less coffee, but mm-hmm. it's better. Sure. I'm not buying as much when I'm out. I'm really enjoying it. I'm taking my time. I'm drinking, you know, espresso. I don't need milk in it all the time. It's it's brilliant. Nothing about it has been negative. The only downside is that when I get to work, I'm like, hmm, 
Oh. Coffee machine's not here. Oh, I see. And yeah, I don't need coffee in work, but it is nice. And sometimes when you're working on something that is particularly complicated or just time consuming, it's nice to augment that experience with a nice hot beverage. You know, just a little something, something to give you that, that motivation to get through. And I can do that. You know, where I work is, is very nice. There's lots of wonderful coffee shops around. The problem is that every time I get that hankering, it's £2.20 or £2.70 or £3. Sure. Now, that is fine as a treat. That is fine as a once-off or, you know, every other week or something if you're really, really into it. But I'm spending too much money on those things when I have the capacity to make it home. And so I'm going, hmm. At a certain point, a £70 coffee machine plus uh, 20 or £30 worth of capsules is significantly cheaper than a 2.70 coffee once every other day. There is a, you know, there's an equation there and it balances after a certain number of months. And it also gives me the the benefit of I don't actually need to go out and get it. I don't need to walk around to the, the the center. I don't need to go and find stuff. I can just make a coffee in my office and enjoy it or if I have someone in for a meeting I can go look would you, li- would you like a little tiny fancy Italian coffee let me ask the machine very nicely and it'll make it for us it's very good isn't it I, I, it is um, the Nespresso machine for me became uh, it kind of replaced the cigarette to a certain extent so I used to mm. use um, a cigarette as as punctuation I think I've probably yes said this before where you know you finish a task um i say a taxing one or one that's you know on your to-do list and bothering you the the frog you have to swallow and all of that stuff and i would finish it and i go right have a cigarette yay uh and then i stopped smoking and it would be fish well i have an espresso and i say you know that sort of micro break you sort of kick back for two minutes with your little poncy coffee um, if you, if you drink it properly, then your little pinky finger sticks out and you just, you know, sip away at it and you can be a little bit smug and self-satisfied and then get on with the rest of your day. I, I think it's a great idea. Um, there is a, there is a, an espresso machine at Nero's Notes. Uh, Claire sort of looks at it suspiciously as she goes past us. Um, <laughs> but every now and again, when, when I'm back, uh, I indulge. Uh, and certainly when I was, when I was there every day, that was... First thing I did when I walked into the office would be turn the alarm off and turn the coffee machine on. That was my routine. <laughs> the other alternative is I do have an old filter coffee machine in my office that I brought in one time when I started mm-hmm. as an aspirational thing. So I could brew up five cups of straight filter coffee yeah, and just chug those. You're getting into the I whole feel like that's quantity over quality thing there, aren't you? <laughs> That's medicinal application rather than uh, enjoyable break. Mm. No, I'm, yeah, for, from this side of the microphone, I, I'm your enabler at this point. Get out there and get yourself a nice espresso machine. <laughs> Definitely the way forward. Yeah. Uh, dangerous. Well, me, I've been, uh, I've been, I've been internet shopping. E-bayek. Um It's not very glamorous, but uh, there are five golf clubs in the Republic of Cyprus. Um, and quite a lot of people that play golf, but that's essentially a captive market. So uh, all golf kit here is double what it is in the UK. Uh, so I need some new golf shoes. They would cost me a hundred and something euros here or 40 pounds in England. So 
Claire, the long-suffering, wonderful Claire, will soon be drowning in a torrent of golf deliveries where golf balls, golf <laughs> shoes, golf gloves will all be getting delivered. And Would you say golf ephemera? You could say golf ephemera, although <laughs> some of it is essential <laughs> to, to golf. It's, uh, it's, well, uh, I'd say the, the club and the ball are the essential parts yeah. on, the, on an arm, I suppose. Well, well, yes, indeed. Um, Everything else is somewhat negotiable. Uh, yes, I suppose you're right. Um, so, yes, some golf ephemera, or a lot of golf ephemera, will be uh, on its way to Claire, <laughs> uh, and she'll squeeze it in around the sort of legitimate work uh stuff that she sends out to me fills out the boxes um and that's about it for me i think uh margaret is uh is in london as we speak uh with credit cards and an enormous range of shops to choose from so uh who knows what i may be buying there there may be a maybe (laughs) maybe a fair amount of things that uh will be back in the suitcase with the line ah well you can't get that in cyprus um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh it's more expensive in cyprus yep. it's just easy we don't need it but it's if we ever did it would be cheaper to buy it here so we've just got it in case yeah, and obviously those arguments are true when you're talking about golf ephemera uh but untrue when you're talking about something that margaret wants that's that's yeah. the way the world that's works. fine I'm, I'm in margaret's side here um <laughs> i would 100 percent accidentally buy it like well you know if i ever needed it it would be a hassle to get it it's cheaper and easier to buy it here well I'll, I'll tell you a couple of the things that i know will sneak in and they will not be mentioned because the very mention of them, it doesn't send me into a rage, but there is some eye rolling that goes on. <laughs> uh, so there's, um, uh, for lasagna and moussaka, there is a sauce that goes on the top and its name has now escaped me. Bechamel? Correct. Um, and bechamel is relatively easy to make, but there's a knack to it if you're going to make it from scratch. Um, and all of the North London Italians of my wife's acquaintance dispensed with all that making bechamel nonsense and bought bechamel, I think it's made by Parmalat, a big Italian food manufacturer, that mm-hmm. that comes in a, you know, a Tetra pack. Um, and it's that specific brand, that bechamel is great, buy it, it's no hassle, apparently. Uh, so I have a feeling that Margaret's suitcase will be secreting some <laughs> bechamel um, into into the bottom oh, of a British dear. Airways plane. Um, and there's some other uh, some medications and stuff that she prefers the the English version to the. Oh, I don't know. Um, I say it's one of those things that if it's things that I need, it doesn't even cross my mind that this might be an unnecessary expense. Uh, but if it's Margaret's, like. Do you need those? Uh, it's a t- terrible case of double standards. Uh, and she, quite rightly, she just ignores me flatly, which is, uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, that's, that's how our marriage works. One word from me and Margaret carries on and does exactly what she wants to do anyway. Um, it's the best way for it, I think. Right. Parish notices. I'm looking, I'm looking at the uh, show notes here. It's, it's looking a bit sort of, tumbleweed <laughs> yeah they're a little bit empty uh, i'm still intermittent fasting but uh, i actually broke it today um i bought one of those aforementioned expensive coffees on my way in okay uh, and 
uh, there was a deal. So it came with a sausage and bacon bap, uh, which was... <laughs> if you're going to break it, break it. <laughs> properly. Yeah. So like I haven't had dinner today because we, we came home and I immediately recorded. Mm. So uh, that, that sausage bap has sustained me. Oh, well, so there you go. Uh, I'm looking at it as a, a tactical choice. But yeah, it called to me from the uh, the hot food aisle this morning. And so I thought, you know, well, technically I ate something at nine o'clock last night because it was in late. So it doesn't really kind of, and all the nonsense justifications of the day. And then I went near the sausage pop and it was great. I enjoyed it. But tomorrow I think I'll be back to the, uh, the regularly scheduled program because it's actually, I said, uh, I think it was maybe last episode of the one before I've stopped using the app zero, Mm. which I was using before. So I'm not actually actively tracking the fasting anymore because it's become part of my routine because uh, before millennials were born this was called not having breakfast <laughs> not intermittent <laughs> bloody fast it's not having it's skipping breakfast <laughs> it's a very particular kind of skipping breakfast no it isn't a, it's all about the, the t- <laughs> not at all no it isn't nonsense you, it's skipping breakfast you've skipped you've skipped the end of this you're already into the topic you're already mad at something <laughs> Oh, the, oh dear! There's, oh, there's, oh, oh, oh! There were a couple that came up the other. Oh, I, I must, I have to breathe, <laughs> breathe. Um, well, I, I have to say, uh, for all my mocking, I'm doing it too—the intermittent fasting or skipping breakfast, as I like to call it. Um, and <laughs> eating less. Yeah, I, it's a meal down. It's you know, instead of having three opportunities to eat all the wrong stuff, I only have two. Uh, and as a consequence, I eat less of the wrong stuff, uh, and indeed of the right stuff. So, uh, I'm losing weight. Who knew? Um, which rocket <laughs> surgery? Yeah, well, it's, it's great, uh, insofar as, um, you know, I've got to wear a suit next week and I, I can almost fit into the one that I'll be wearing. Um, uh, which is great because I didn't really want to go out and buy another suit. Um, and yeah, I have to say that. You get a little bit of focus and you start getting some results and uh, it, it's encouraging, isn't it? It's it's all good. It is, yeah. Uh, it's that waterfall, but in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm doing that. Uh, as I said, the habit tracking thing has uh, once again surprised me. It's like, wow, I, I have to tick that I've fasted or crossed that I haven't. And guess what? I, I It all ticks. Um, nobody's marking this notebook for me, but for, for some reason, my inner child fears that somebody might one day mark it and therefore I want to put ticks in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, go figure. Very weird. Okay then. So, well, 46 minutes, uh, fairly standard sort of preamble into, uh, the three pin plug, which is where, uh, TJ, uh, that, abstract concept called 1857 and me Stuart Lennon uh give you a little plug about what we do so uh you can find me at stuartlennon.com or nerosnotes.co.uk at the first I write a lot of nonsense about all sorts of things uh and at the second I sell some wonderful notebooks pencils and pens and subscriptions for the above uh if you're into this podcast you're probably into the stuff we sell at Nero's uh pop by have a look uh, any questions about it? Just drop me a line or shout on the site or tweet me. I'm fairly easy to find. Nero's Notes, Stu Lennon, you're going to find me on everything. Um, we we like to think that we are the best stationary supplier in 
the UK for the kind of people that we want to supply. So uh, we don't do uh, lots of back to school stuff. You know, there are people that do that brilliantly. Uh, we are not the big pen specialists. There are people that do that brilliantly. Um, but we do specialize in notebooks and stuff that we like. Okay, we don't sell stuff that we don't like. Uh, that's me. What about you, TJ? What do you do? I make videos about pencils. If that's kind of the, the most simple boiled down version of what I do. I run a YouTube channel called Wooden Graphite. On that channel, I've been making videos about pencils and paper and notebooks and pens occasionally for oh, like four years now. It's a while. And if you like what we talk about in the show, I think you might like what I show and talk about on Wooden Graphite. And it's it's narrative-driven videos about interesting things in this little analog niche that we all enjoy. And so I've got videos about, you know, pencils, why you should write with them, how you should write with them, what, indeed, you should write with them. Uh, I've got reviews of weird and wonderful pencils from all over the world. I have a review of Russian pencils, which I assume most of you have probably never seen before, but are really, really, really cool. Um, I try and capture the things that inspire and interest me and present them in a form that is interesting and hopefully somewhat enlightening, even if it is in a very niche area. So if you like that kind of thing and you want to see more, go and watch the videos. See what you think. Cool. And the final plug, the Earth plug, the one that keeps us all safe, is the podcast itself, <laughs> 1857, mm -hmm. uh, which you can find uh, in your pod cast catcher obviously you can also find at 1857.co.uk uh, where you will find tj's excellent show notes uh, which for the moment at least are beautifully written uh, in bright orange um, but always contain uh, lots of links to the stuff that we talk about certainly the stuff that he talks about and any of the stuff that i talk about that he can uh, understand or remember um, I just kind of sanitize everything you talk about just to make it a little bit more palatable for a wider audience. A little bit less grumpy. I could, I could understand that. I could see where that's coming <laughs> from. Um, and also there, there is a button that says donate. And to everyone's great surprise, if you click that button, you can donate. Uh, you can donate anything from, I think it starts at about 100000 up to about a billion dollars. Uh, it's basically your pension. I think that's, we, we only take your pension. That's all we want. No, firstborn children, perfectly acceptable. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, we can negotiate. Uh, but obviously, if you feel like doing that, then uh, we're uh, very humbled and very grateful. Uh, you can also uh, just whip along to Nero's Notes and buy some merchandise. We've got all sorts of 1857 merch, uh, including the... Uh, well, the wonderful cassette, which is not really a cassette, it's more of a USB thing, uh, of the first season of 1857, which is 52 episodes, plus a previously unreleased episode zero, plus bonus content. I have no idea what any of that means, but TJ does. Uh, he designed, <laughs> it's on there, I he, promise. He designed all of the cover art and uh, the wonderful sort of flyleaf that's in there. It's, it's a very, very nice... Mm, largely useless thing. Um, you, you, <laughs> it looks good. That's yeah. that's its use. It looks good and it makes the podcast run a little longer and you have something fun to keep on your desk. Yeah. You definitely don't need one of these, but do you know what? You, no, 100% not. You might kind of want one. Um, certainly, I I have a floating shelf um, next to my desk from, from Ikea and 
because it's a floating shelf, uh, it's not actually any good for the basic functions of a shelf. Because uh, <laughs> if, if you put anything on it, it will eventually fall on your head. So uh, I have a couple of very light little things up there. And one of them is the cassette. Uh, because every time I look at it, it makes me smile. Um, partly, I suppose, because my age and the nostalgia. Uh, TJ had no idea what a cassette was. We had to talk him through it. But um, <laughs> I'm not that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you don't know what one is, uh, ask your parents. Uh, and yeah, believe me, you, you, you've got to have one and you've got to have a little pencil next to it. And if you don't know what the relationship is between those two things, again, ask your parents. Um, <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's enough plugging. I think I've plugged us to death there. Um, but yeah, we use, uh, any money that we get, we use to fund the, uh, the costs associated with the podcast, which are hosting, uh, and the edit costs. So we try and get those covered. At the moment, Nero's covers them. And I, look, I'll be honest, I suspect Nero's will continue to cover them because TJ and I like talking to each other. And occasionally people from here pop by Nero's and buy stuff. Talking yeah. of which, uh, we do have a Slack channel. Uh, for 1857 listeners uh, to yes. join it you have to jump through multiple hoops so what you have to do is find a way of contacting either TJ um, or Stuart and saying I would like to be in the Slack group and <laughs> we will add you to the Slack group uh, that's kind of how it works uh, once you're in there uh, there's a there's a Slackers code uh, which is not a, a, a set of conduct. Uh, it's it's a discount code for Nero's Notes. So you will uh, be able to buy your favorite notebooks and stuff at a discount. And it's, uh, if you don't mind me That's saying, a good reason to go. it's quite a generous one. Um, it's a very generous code. I've used it myself and then guiltily went, is that, am I alive? That? <laughs> and then I, I think I guiltily texted you being like, Stu, I'm really sorry. I used the code and now I feel bad about using the code. Can you charge me full price? Actually, so you're not the only slacker that's done that. Um, Several several people have come and said, oh, I feel really bad I used the code. I was like, no, thank you for your business. And that's why the code's there. So, um, yeah, by all means, join and use the code. Uh, and also, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we get lots of ideas for shows there. Uh, and also just have a lot of interesting conversation. And it's where... It's fantastic. It's where uh, all of my uh, sort of consumption is driven um, by my personal and private uh, content curator Teresa uh, who who basically <laughs> finds everything for me so she's now got me addicted to rum uh, she's turning me into a cocktail barman uh, and coming up with all sorts of TV and music that I need to be seeing as well I'm, I, I literally as we speak I'm now scrolling through just to see uh, what what new what new stuff I should be getting into so yeah uh, come along just as I say uh, tweet us or uh, Instagram you can get us both on Instagram um you could try Facebook. Email as well. I had an email two days ago from Simon. And okay. he said, Hi, Stuart and TJ. Could I get an invite for the 1857 Slack? Thanks. And then, surprise, surprise, Simon got an invite to the 1857 Slack. Heavens to Murgatroyd. <laughs> okay, so I'm just looking now. Oh, oh, we've got a few people getting into bullet journaling because I keep talking about bullet journaling. Um, I still need to read that that Ryder Carroll book. I've got it sitting on my bedside. I still need to finish it. <laughs> I just say this: you, you've got to read it with a certain uh, a certain amount of detachment, I think. Uh, and okay, Marcus, this is live. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Zeitkritznach. There you go. 
uh, have a Diamond exclusive ink called Bloody Brexit. Uh, and Nick Stewart has a review with stunning images, so um, I will put that link in the show notes uh, for TJ. Um, <laughs> Bloody Brexit Inc. by Diamine. Uh, Diamine, uh, in case you don't know, are based in Liverpool. Um, but obviously, Zeitskreuznach. Um, oh, they have the ring of the Germans about them, uh, to be honest. Uh, I will just put this right here, TJ. So yeah, if you want to join the Slack, uh, get in touch. Uh, come and join the Slack and talk nonsense with us. There we go. Uh, right, so that brings us, as we approach the hour mark, to tonight's topic. <laughs> Which is Two Old Men Complain About Things, part two. Yeah, well, part, part, part 89, some would say. <laughs> This came out of a something we talked about last episode, which was this weird thing that happens in a consumerist society that we all live in, where things are engendered with this kind of faux heritage, and it's almost a selling point, like pre-aged, uh, weathered. You know, you know, the 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 obvious sort of target of our irritation: pre-ripped jeans, jeans that you go and pay. 60, 70, 80 pounds for that have great big holes in them. And I always find that a really interesting thing. Like, I've never bought a pair of jeans with holes in them in my entire life. I'm 28 years old, never done it. Probably won't ever. Who knows? Maybe, maybe someday, but not so far. And I've had jeans that have ripped. And then it's, you know, there's something kind of interesting about ripped jeans and uh, they can tell a story and that kind of thing. But the, the concept of going, no, 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 outsource that life, that live, that sort of experience for me. Get all that done for me. And then just let me wear the taddy jeans. That's a really strange, very, very human thing where you've taken something that has happened as a result of travel or experience or work or something and gone, yeah, I really like the, the things that happen because of all that effort. What if I didn't have to do the effort? I've I've got to be honest, and I've never understood pre-ripped jeans. Mostly because I mean they're so obviously pre-ripped. <laughs> yes, everybody has the same knee, the same patch on the top left, the same thing here. Yeah, and I mean there was a time when there were sort of ones that looked like they were a bit randomly ripped. Um, and then there was a line, I don't know if it was it was a fashion thing, where they, they it'd always be like a ladder. So you'd have, you know, sort of 12 rips going down a thigh. Yes. It's clearly designed yeah. to, to look like that. And I'd look at that and I'd just go, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not with you. Because it, it sort of came from the whole sort of revival of the 501 and... Levi's and uh, Nick Kamen, you're probably too young for all this, but uh, there was... Yep, there, no idea who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there was an ad. I know who Nick Cave is. Nick Cave did the, no, not, the music for um, not, Peaky Blinders. Not Nick, not Nick Cave, Nick Kamen, K-A-M-E-N. Oh. Um, who was oh, okay. terribly good-looking chap oh, uh, with uh, a big quiff. 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to do that thing that I know the listeners loathe. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to Google this right now. Um, <laughs> because it was the... Um, it was it was an iconic ad uh, that certainly for me just it was the rebirth of jeans in the UK to a certain extent. Ah, uh, here we go. Yeah, nineteen eighty five. So that probably explains why you wouldn't. That's the title, by the way. The rebirth of jeans in the UK. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, it could be okay. I've just I've just put it on YouTube, which again is is not great podcasting. Um, uh, can can we hear this? You should be able to hear this coming through the mic. Obviously, not a bad not a bad song. <laughs> Obviously, let people go and watch this uh, on their own. But um, the the gentleman concerned is a, a dashing young chap. Walks into the laundrette in his jeans and t-shirt uh, and takes them off and puts them into the uh, into the washing machine. Sits there in his pristine white boxer shorts, um, waiting for them to pre to shrink for him. So they become as pre-shrunken. Uh, yeah, there you go. That was that whole sort of rebirth of jeans. Kind of made jeans cool again uh, as a sort of fashion statement, and that might be entirely personal to me and to my time. But uh, it was like, okay, wow, these are really cool. And it was from there that jeans then started going from dark blue into getting stonewashed and getting uh, a little bit tatty, and I mean, you know, stonewashed. That is sto- yeah, like the light, so, letter. No, but stonewashed. Why? Look, here's a pair of trousers, and the argument, or the, the pretense is that we took your jeans and we put them in a washing machine with some stones to make them look <laughs> macho or something. Why? I don't, look at all the work you haven't done, but people will think you have. Yeah, I mean, that that it's very much the same thing. But th- that's where it all came from, for me at least. And then from there it became ripped and... Blah blah blah. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. But I, I didn't get it then. This isn't just purely me, me being old. <laughs> I didn't get it then, and I would have been yeah. fifteen at the time. So, um, okay, yeah, that's fair. You enough. can't blame age. I think there's an interesting sort of comparison to make here with uh, something that I had to look up the name for, but I knew what it was. Uh, it's called sashiko or boro, which is a Japanese method of garment repair that is essentially just visible mending mm-hmm. like Japanese embroidery but it's visible mending and I've seen a couple of people doing this before and it's it's really really cool and so it's you know you take a scrap of, of material and you take your your normally worn trousers or jeans or whatever that have been weathered the old way you know the old school way where you wore them uh, and you you know push, uh, put a piece of fabric behind it and you Stitch back and forth, back and forth, almost in like a grid pattern. Uh, Little lines, little stitches all the way down the material. And instead of trying to to hide the patch to try and make it look neat and tidy and that it's not there, you embrace 
the age of the garment, you embrace the kind of heritage and history that it embodies in the, in the work that it has achieved by putting this patch on it and going, yeah, look at that patch. And I'm sure there are fake versions of this now that exist, but I like that human beings have come up with both of these things at opposite ends of the spectrum. So you have this, this idea of, yeah, do it for me. Give me the, the, the consumer product that is pre-weathered, stonewashed, uh, worn by, you know, burly men and, and thrown down a hill so that I can look cool versus the, let me just wear the jeans and when they get wrecked, I'll fix them. But I'm not going to fix them in a way that makes them look the same as they were before because let's be honest, they're not going to look the same. So I'll just lean in to the fact that they're broken. It's it's the same thing, but it's very different mindsets at work. Yeah, it's it's very odd. Um, it's not very odd, I suppose. It's making too much of it. I mean, it is fashion and fashion is weird. Um because, I mean, the next thing that you put on there was um, was fake tan. And, yeah. And, you know, this is one where, you know, I've had this discussion with my nearest and dearest, who I'm, I'm delight, delighted to say doesn't doesn't do this sort of thing anymore, um, but who, who used to go to salons, you know, tanning salons. Um, so there's a different, like, fake tan is an all-encompassing term that we use. Technically speaking, if you go to a tanning salon and stand on a sunbed, it's not a fake tan; it's just an artificial tan. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's that's a fair point. Um, but again, I'm somewhat confused as to why people would do it. <laughs> um, so you want to get that nice glow? You want people to think you've been away? That's what I hear. Uh, but do you though? I mean, <laughs> yeah, you've worked nine solid weeks. And yet you came in in week three, pale, and you came in in week four, orange. You haven't been away. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And <laughs> and yet that's that's not a conversation that people would have. I mean, they... they no, it's just, oh, you look... Have you been anywhere nice? Yeah, they just turn around and go, oh, you look great. Yeah, that really suits you. Or if they walked into my office, it would be, what are you doing? Yeah, there's a larger conversation here about uh, people's appearances and the way people want to be perceived and the way people are portraying themselves. And it's far beyond my right to say what's right and wrong. But I just find it very, very interesting the way we can hold these things up to be important or you know, well-established in our society and also not really get them. Like we're all kind of silently agreeing that, yeah, some of this is a bit weird. But no one says that. No one calls it out. No one goes, why? You know, people will pay a premium for these jeans. People will pay a premium for tans, artificial or fake or real. And yet no one sits back and goes, hmm, why do we do that, though? I suppose anthropologists do and grumpy men like us do. But I I find it fascinating that we have this whole subculture of things that are seen but not acknowledged. Yeah, I've... It is, I mean, the, the tan thing particularly to me, um, I, I, it sort of steps into all sorts of things. I, I'm, somebody once said to me, said, have you dyed your, your beard black? And I went, I'm sorry? Because anybody that knows me <laughs> knows that I, I, I find the dying of hair <laughs> utterly, utterly 
stupid. And uh, please, uh, don't get me wrong, my uh, significant other is a huge fan of dyeing her hair, to the extent that it was pink six months ago, and and blue soon after. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd been married to her for 12 years before I saw a natural hair colour. Um, and it just completely mystifies me. I'm going to dye my hair blonde. Why? Because it looks better. Really? So that it's blonde. <laughs> Why does it look better? I mean, do do we genuinely think that we've got a better shot at this than genetics? <laughs> I mean, if <laughs> if you were to be blonde, wouldn't you have been born blonde? I... I uh, and, and why does one colour look better than the other? I mean, do we think that Sophia Loren would have looked better as a redhead? Or I, I just don't get it. I, it makes no sense to me at all. I've, it's been explained to me several times by people that I love and respect. It makes me feel good. Okay, great. Um, go ahead. But uh, that's not going to change the fact I don't understand it. And the and the idea that I would do it just it boggles my mind. <laughs> I have never once thought about whether you dye your hair or not. But if someone asked me cold, do you think Stu has or will ever dye his hair? The answer would be unequivocally no. I'd be like, I think he thinks that's nonsense. Yeah, no, I mean, my hair is, is going white. And in fact... It's a great surprise to my mother and I that my hair isn't already white because my dad was white or silver, <clears throat> as we like to say in marketing circles, um, <laughs> by about the age of 35. So uh, I'm doing better. I'm I'm sort of salt and pepper now or black and silver or black and grey or any combination of those colours that you, you choose. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm delighted with that. I'm quite happy with it. One observation I would make is I never see my hair. I mean, occasionally it, <laughs> I'll come across it in a mirror. Um, and I, uh, I've, I've currently got a full beard. So uh, my beard is uh, to the side of my face is largely black. And then to uh, as, as my chin grows, sort of where the goatee usually is, as it gets longer, it goes silver. And there's a little, little touch of sand to there. Um, and it, it kind of changes colour as it goes. I, I find it sort of interesting in a sort of two seconds sort of way. But yeah, somebody says, well, would you colour it? And recently I have changed my view on this. I would if I was going to colour it some sort of neon shade. <laughs> to match your, uh, what do you call it, golfing attire? Yeah, yeah, if I was going to do something that was, you know, bizarre. I, I, I'm fine. I could I could see the attraction of doing that, but the idea of you know oh I'm just um, what is that stuff that comes on TV? Grecian two thousand you know just gonna gonna blend in the greys. I mean, is, is there a man alive who really thinks the thing that defines him as old is the grey in his hair? I mean, have a look at your face, Dave. That's that's what you need to be looking at, sunshine. Those big lines around your eyes. Yeah, that's the sort. You know, age to me, A, you know, I'm delighted to be a year older. It means I'm still alive. Uh, I, and you, you've earned that wisdom that, that comes with getting a bit mm. older. I don't care what anybody says. You do get 
you do get smarter as you get older in some ways possibly not in all ways in my case but um <laughs> yeah dying dying hair generally no don't get it sorry don't understand um and then isn't that oh here we go sorry isn't that fascinating that we want our genes to look old but our hair to look young and so we want to flip those so someone said i can i can make your hair look really really aged and weathered like a real santa look do you want that no 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 look at you i look too old i look like i've lived too long and experienced too many things i want to look young and naive please like yeah. like new genes or it's, untanned skin it's it's vitality and virility and all of that <laughs> stuff isn't it um i mean i suppose virility is, is a gendered word to a certain extent but it, it's about sort of youthful exuberance and Yes, I, mm. I might be 60, but I look 40 and, uh, you know, I'm fit and I'm tanned and I'm in shape and I'm wearing the latest fashion. Look at these rips. Cost me a fortune. Uh, <laughs> I, <it's>, <laughs> you know, hey, look, I bought, I, I, I bought a sports car, so I've, I've got no right to, to mock anybody. But that, I assume, is what drives that. And it's the same with... I've, I see it a lot here in Cyprus, and I'm, I assume it's true everywhere else. A lot of um, uh, plastic surgery, people um, hmm. uh, sort of smoothing out their heads. That that always strikes me as a bit weird, that um, they try and make themselves look like a bold man, effectively. Uh, just no lines on the forehead at all. And um, the neck as well where where people i i don't know how it works i don't know whether you tighten it or or whatever but all i know is that i i'm learning now not to double take but that's essentially what what my instinct is i'll look at something what hey i I won't know quite what's wrong i'll just know something's wrong um and you know wrong is very judgmental word it's not wrong if they like it It's, it's up to them i don't care but it just jars with me and, and perhaps it's more about me than them, yeah i guess but I, d- I don't understand but it is that I, yeah um i mean surely you're as young as you feel not as young as you look i i, I guess we are you're as young as the adverts make you think you are <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there is that too i suppose i was just looking at your various spell- spellings of nick cayman you still haven't got it right but it's okay i've put a link in the show notes. <laughs> Oh, is it is it like the crocodile? <laughs> it's it's Cayman as in K A M E N. Um, ah, okay. I'll, I'll I'll include all of them. <laughs> just put them all in. Um, I, I'm suddenly feeling. I'll uh, double I'm suddenly feeling like barrel. a British John Syracuse here, just sort of <laughs> throwing references <laughs> at people. They're going, I have no idea what this idiot is talking about. Um, mm-hmm. What? Yeah. <laughs> mm. I'm glad, I just like the point where I thought you were talking about Nick Cave and the bad seats and just went off on a tangent about uh, well, I Peaky mean, Blinders. You know, in fairness, he probably deserves to have brought back the gene. But um, no, Nick, Nick came and is, uh, he was he was iconic at the time. I think that would be be fair to say. Um, but there's there's lots of this stuff going on. Going back to being angry at the world because I was I was thinking about this. See <laughs> <laughs> about this the other day. Um, the the podcasts that I listen to, the Apple ones, and also to a certain extent listening to you with your, your iPad and me with my iPad. Um, 
and uh you know in fairness some of the podcasters are calling this out for what it is so uh casey liss was talking on, on accidental tech podcast going look this apple watch it doesn't work for the central things that my wife uh he was referring to uh wants. so she uses the photos uh, uh whatever you call it uh, watch face um and because of iOS 13 and watch six or, or, you know, however it's all working, it's not working. Like, this is 500 quid that somebody's paid for a watch. Sorry, $600. Somebody's paid for a watch that's not fulfilling the purpose for which they bought it. There are hundreds of people, thousands of people, millions of people going out and buying Apple watches expecting them to last from the time they get up in the morning to the time they go to bed, and they don't. There's you and I going, oh, my iPad's just flipped. Oh, yeah, the keyboard's gone there. Oh. Yeah, it's probably a bug. Well, no, 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 hold the phones here. You just paid £1,500 for this thing. <laughs> and it doesn't work. And we're all going, yeah, well, you know, it's a bug. Yeah, it'll be fine. Part for the course. Yeah, release 13.4. Have it sorted. It'll be fine. Really? What? Um, Everybody's buying these new iPhones at, at 1400 or whatever they are. £1,500 if they get the big ones. And sort of dropping them within three days because they've got the sort of grip of a bar of bloody soap. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I know, we're a design-led company. No, you're not. You're designing things that fail in their basic function of staying in your pig in hand. Anybody could design a phone that you couldn't drop. It's not difficult. But we have this sort of collective sort of... I don't know what it is. It's some sort of drug-induced stupor. We go, oh, look at it. It's, oh, it's wonderful. It's amazing. And you think, well, not if you bloody drop it, it isn't. <laughs> yeah and yeah i I can't argue and these are all true things if you were buying uh I, I have no idea but if you're buying an iphone 11 i'm guessing apple care is what 350 no, i have no idea well it's 129 for the ipad pro if that makes any sense <laughs> so all right let's for say one let's call it 200 no it won't be it'll be 100 let's call it 100 it's because the thing is so bloody slippy it's an obvious purchase. It's an upsell. It's a margin enhancer. Because you're going to get, I don't know, 50% of the people to pay another £100 and only 10% of them are going to get a claim. So in actual fact, you're getting an extra £400 for a phone. It's, it's, it's pure commerce. Whereas, really, if you've designed a piece of kit that you want me to carry around and use correctly as a mobile phone and i drop it that's your problem you've designed it wrong would be the grumpy old man's argument would be i'm not giving you 1500 quid for something that if i drop it or if my kid knocks it out of my hand you expect me to pay another 1500 quid no make it robust it's the 24 it's a phone no, it's gonna get it needs dropped. To have glass on all sides <laughs> exactly um, <laughs> it needs to be entirely constructed from fragile Breakable, sharp materials. Yeah, uh, all, all, the, all the entire generation of MacBooks 
Oh, uh, yeah, well, the, the keyboard's a, a bit crap. Hang on. This is an underpowered machine for two and a bit thousand pounds. What do you mean the keyboard's a bit dodgy? Oh, it's just, it's fine, we'll fix it for It's the, new the one. only input I method I one. have. <laughs> and it doesn't work. I'll, I'll just, I'll, let, let me buy a keyboard. Let me buy a, an Apple keyboard that I can lug around with me to use with my Apple laptop that the keyboard doesn't work on. I sit here going, there's nothing wrong with the 15 inch. Well, there isn't because I keep it closed in a little stand that I had to buy from someone else. And I use another keyboard, £100, another trackpad, £50, a monitor, £600. And so all of the things that don't work on my £2,000 MacBook don't matter too much. Apart from the fact... Because you've augmented it with other versions. Apart from the fact that when I try and open one password, I'll, I'll do it now, one password, click, enter your master password. Touch ID is unavailable when the lid of your MacBook Pro is closed. Ah. So, Touch ID, that wonderful thing. Oh, I can't use it because I'm not using the MacBook properly. But if I was using the MacBook properly and I had a sandwich within 600 metres of it, the whole thing would blow up because a crumb would kill it. (laughs) I mean, honestly, the Russians, they wouldn't drop a nuclear bomb. They'd just drop breadcrumbs over America and it would all... Grind to a halt because all the bloody computers would stop working. <laughs> We've gone full, like, proper old man complaining now. Well, it, 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 to me, it's the same thing. It's this sort of collective belief that something is cool and something is great and something is good. And, you know, I am very much a part of this. I am sitting here surrounded by Apple Kit. Okay, it's a couple of years old now, which for me is, you know, my therapist is delighted with this progress, but it's, <laughs> it is all utterly nonsense. Right? Yeah, I mean, most human behavior is. Let's be honest with ourselves. We are enlightened monkeys who are somehow running the planet. Not very well, but we are. It, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a shock and a horror every day that we don't, you know, destroy the planet and knock ourselves out of it. I mean, we are not thinking this through from the beginning to the end it's just all well, i wonder if this works what about that let me have a go with this and then these weird things fall through the cracks of what is you know normal or what is acceptable or what is you know objectively logical and they become more than what they are so you know ripped jeans become a status symbol because a couple of people thought it was and then a couple of people more and then a couple of people more and all of a sudden we have these traditions and weird tropes within our society that have kind of just appeared unbidden over the course of maybe 30, 40 years. And you know, people who are growing up go, yeah, well, of course we do that because we've always done that. That's all that I've ever seen. You know, you remember the dawn of, of jeans being cool or the, the, the rebirth of jeans being cool. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, kids who are 18 now go, yeah, I wear my jeans. I wear, you know, Ath leisure. I don't want to wear some <laughs> leisure pants. Doesn't stretch. I don't want to wear that. Yeah, it's this weird, ever-changing, tumultuous environment of human beings picking up and saying this thing is cool because, yeah, just because, really. Oh yeah, that thing's cool. We should all buy that thing. <laughs> weird shared hallucinations. Weird shared uh, lies. Basically, they're all telling ourselves about. Apple products and other things. And, and that doesn't mean that they're not 
useful or they don't bring joy or they're not worth something. But it does mean that we all kind of like to embellish things a little bit, I think. Sure. And, you know, it's obviously the, the danger with something like this is you get to a point where you're just so negative about everything that you start writing things off. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, that, exactly. There was a chat in our, our, our Slack, you know, field notes. Oh, field notes don't work with fountain pens. Blah, blah. Um, which I know was a conversation going on in the pen addict Slack as well. Um, and yeah, there's a there's a part of me that then goes, you know, very quietly as a notebook salesman just sort of types in, field notes aren't designed to work with fountain pens. That's why they don't work with fountain pens. Or, you know... <laughs> Uh, you and I occasionally fall into it with, you know, oh, it's a Blackwing. Okay, so it's uh, it's a normal Blackwing with a different color barrel. Yep, yep, pretty much. Oh, the eraser's a different color too. <gasps> you think, really? It's just another pencil. Um, but there is something else to it, and there is something that people do take an enormous amount of pleasure in uh, in designing their look, whether that be their hair or their ripped jeans or yeah um their aged perfecto leather jackets and (laughs) i've been guilty of all of those things where i've gone yeah yeah i like that just looks a bit new you can't really come across as as bruce springsteen if your if your leather jacket still squeaks you know it's it's too shiny yeah it needs to be old i think for me, the biggest thing of this is it's not, for all my complaining and all my moaning, I don't think that it's wrong. I don't think that we shouldn't do these things. I just think that it's it's worth being aware that we're doing it and, and not just taking it as gospel, not just taking it as the de facto, like this is because it is, and be able to go, yeah, Apple products, probably overpriced, if I had to say. Maybe some design decisions could be better. Maybe sacrificing quality to cash in on stuff. Maybe there's a few issues around quality control. Mm. Doesn't mean I'm not going to buy an Apple iPad and be very happy with it. But it does mean that I'm not going in rose-tinted spectacles and going, ah, it's perfect. It's literally the best device ever made. There are no problems, despite what everyone keeps saying. And and just, there is no wrong answer. I am in no position, I have no desire to tell people what they should and should not do or what indeed is right or wrong. But I find it very, very interesting to see the way different people, different human beings look at stuff and go, hmm, this is of utmost importance to me. And I go, oh, is that a thing? Okay. Hmm. Never really thought about it. But, but I suppose the same could be said, vice versa. But there, there is a question that I cannot, I cannot let this episode end without two things happening. One, I need some, <laughs> I need some more ice. And two... I yeah. need to understand your show note that says Tesco Farms Food Jacks. Okay, right. So this is a story I read today. I don't think it's a recent news story. But um, a couple of years ago, maybe a year or two ago, Tesco started rebranding all of their own brand stuff. So Tesco, if you don't know, is a large British supermarket. I think they're all over the world now, but It'd be one of the big three. It'd be slightly more expensive than Asda, less expensive than Sainsbury's and Waitrose. I think it kind of went middle of the pack. Went went to the states. Uh, was it as fresh foods and failed? 
I think something like that. I don't think it stayed. I think it's in Southeast Asia and places like that as well. Mm-hmm. So people may be aware of it no matter where they're from. Anyway, they have their own brand, store brand food. And something they went to about a year, maybe two years ago, was this idea of rebranding all their own brand stuff to be from fictional farms. So you buy Tesco value Granny Smith apples, whatever it is. I don't even think they're Granny Smith. I think they're just green apples. Tesco green apples. But they normally just package them up and go, apples, you eat them. They're food. It's a fruit. Some nutritional information. What they then did was go, ooh, these are Apple Ridge Farm apples, you know, grown in the heart of the Cornish countryside. And yes, maybe they were farmed in the the Cornish countryside. Maybe it was in a, a large orchard farm type situation for the value, you know, to get them that cheap. But they, they sort of manufactured these names, these fake farms, and it, almost giving the impression of, you know, some ninth generation family farm where they're carefully picking each apple by hand and, and gently rubbing it with a little um, cloth before setting it in a, in a hand-hewn wooden basket to transport it by ox and donkey down to the, the, the market to be shipped off to the big Tesco store in the big smoke. And that was the vibe that they were going for, was this kind of homegrown, very natural and organic and very people-centric, friendly thing. But the farms didn't exist. It was all just names on boxes. And I think they caught some flack for it because people were going, that's not a real farm, that's disingenuous, blah, 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 blah. But I find it really interesting, this idea of, they that's, you know, that's fake tan. That's a pre-ripped gene. That's taking something that has been grown commercially, because most of our food is, let's be honest, um, and going, what if you thought, what if you just imagined for a moment that this was some, you know, bucolic countryside scene where this is carefully grown up in, in all natural soils just just specifically for you you know shine the apple hand it over there you go sir have a lovely day and that was the vibe they were going for and i think it fell a little bit flat and i think they still do it in a lot of stuff and, and by all means i think it's a good idea branding wise but i find it really interesting that that was something that you know big supermarket would do to try and sell you more apples sell you more pasta whatever it might be that idea of fake brands fake heritage faux backstory almost and it's happened in other things it's it's not you know tesco is not the first person to do that and indeed i think a lot of marketing is based on the premise of doing just such a thing but it's a very interesting version of that yeah it's um it feeds into all the criticism that people love um point at uh, social media where it's a it's a false representation it's it's an aspirational perfect world and um th- this yeah. is a, a slightly weird tangent and, and i'm looking at the time the, the run time so i'll keep it short um last episode we spoke about um my wife having a, a melanoma scare a cancer scare if you like and mm-hmm. It was this morning that we got the the results back. No, nope. it was something that could one day grow up to be a melanoma, but it wasn't, and it's all gone now, so you're all good. And so we decided, because we're hashtag living the dream, that's it, we're going to go into, uh, into town uh, with our guests, and we're going to have a little wonder round 
the cool places, and we're going to have a nice lunch, and then we're going to have a cocktail. Cocktails at lunchtime. Yeah. And the conversation somehow or other got onto um, social media and, and uh, photos. That was it. I was taking some photos that I was going to post. And Margaret said, no, look, we're not, we're not dressed up. We're just, no, no, no. Okay. Uh, and then she explained that she's seen her friends um, take a photo that's gone on social media and enlarge it on their phone uh, to look for the flaws in the skin. And this would be a selfie they've taken of themselves and they would edit it there and then on the fly, on the phone. And, and I immediately thought, wow, these are good skills. But anyway, um, to remove those flaws. So if there was a sheen, you know, because they were a bit sweaty or whatever, they, they could remove that. Um, I don't know what they were using. Um, but they would doctor these photos effectively. Um, or I suppose edit if you were a photographer, you might say rather than doctor. Um, to, <laughs> There's certain connotations to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm being slightly pejorative, I suppose, to, to reinforce my point. But um, and, and that's why she doesn't like, cause I don't do any of those things. I, I tend to point the, the phone or the camera at someone and take a shot and then put it up. Um, if I do any editing, I press the auto button um, or the crop. So, you know, to cut out the person in the corner with their bum hanging out or whatever. That, that's about the extent of my, my editing. But she was, she was, you know, genuinely saying that she has friends, uh, who would be in their forties and fifties. And so not necessarily, you know, top notch IT folk, uh, with no disrespect to anybody who is a top notch IT person in their forties or fifties. Um, doctor, I'm not doctor, but editing their photos, their selfies before posting them on social media. Sort of creating that artificial likeness that, you know, this is this is my perfect life. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I was going to post up there, look, we're having cocktails at lunch, hashtag living the dream. Ain't we lucky? Isn't that amazing? And I know there will be people looking at that going, I'm about to, to lose our rating there, but calling me nasty names saying, yeah, I don't want to see this rubbish. And there'll be other people that would go, yeah, fair play. And there'll be other people who who know the context who would be going, fantastic thumbs up but i wouldn't sort of overcreate that and you know have it sort of specially it, it's a snap do you know what i mean it's a candid it's you know we're all sitting as four, four yeah. of us friends we're having a drink at lunchtime they're on holiday we've had some good news ain't this great whoosh um but increasingly there are people out there who are posting these things going no no hang on just let just let me rouge my cheek up or you know increase the shadow here or you know whatever it might be and that's the same thing that's that's creating this image that's not quite the truth but fits with the aspiration you know, the yeah perfect genes and again is there anything wrong with that no. is that any different than than buying something because you want to do it like buying a book because you want to read it or you know investing in a an iPad because you want to make things different. Everything, these are all aspirational goals. Um, some of them are maybe a bit more disingenuous or a bit more false, I guess, on the face of it when you're presenting things that are not true as opposed to things that are not quite true yet or things that you hope to be true. Mm. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. I think the Instagram accidentally birthed this. I mean, people have been touching up yeah, photos sure. for 
long, long time. But I think Instagram and all those filters open the doors for, ooh, yeah, my, my, my crap phone camera looks better when I do this. And I can make it look like I'm in a really interesting place if I just frame out the dirty washing and the unwashed dishes in this shot and just focus on the, the really cool thing I have in the corner. And it's that editing, that curation of your your externally shown world I, th- I think that lets people have that aspiration i think where i found it disturbing because okay, i do it uh you do it i mean you do it very well but i do it you know <laughs> look at these notebooks and lovely pen aren't they great and and the reason that i i would try and put that into a nice setting and and light it and you know have a nice shot is because i want people to go i want one of those I want to be that that woman sitting in the coffee bar with that great notebook and a nice pen. I want to be that person, so I'm going to buy some. Yeah. Very transparent, very, you know, that's what I'm doing. Um, and you do some amazing shots. Uh, you did one recently. I saw, it was probably on the Patreon, the sort of keyhole arty shot thing of your desk. Yeah, brilliant, I'm lovely. The- if you're talking about disingenuous, my entire career has been built on the <laughs> no. back of making disingenuous no. images of people that want stuff. I don't think it's disingenuous. I mean, yeah, I don't the- think that's disingenuous because <laughs> I think I think people do understand there. You know, uh, there is a marketing line, and there is a time when you say, "Okay, this is this is stuff about business. This is stuff about what I do, um, or this is stuff about products," um, and people see that. Yeah. Then you get. Um, influencers and I don't have a huge problem with them but it's that whole level of disingenuous that you need to be concerned about or the one should be concerned about I think because it's the next level that I didn't realize existed but does that that scared me because friends were talking to me about um, a person who they believe may be suffering from sort of self-esteem issues uh, some other mental health um, issues is probably the right word um, I'm no expert in these things um, but these people felt that this person really needs to get some help but it's very difficult to, to make that happen you know from, from outside and this person was going to great lengths to present an image to social media for distinct purposes that were disingenuous that were self-delusionary that were potentially harmful to them uh and possibly yeah. others and, and you know you're getting into a whole different ball game i understand that and i'm not trying to lay blame or, or attribute blame anyway but it's that whole uh it's the democratization of these skill sets that you can have essentially people off their own account, privately, for no apparent um, uh, professional purpose, to creating this curated unreality that that perhaps hurts them. And, you know, that's that's not Instagram's fault. I'm sure it isn't. But it's probably going to take somebody with the resource and the... um, and the connectivity of Instagram to be able to be part of the solution as well is these algorithms that several tech companies tell us are the greatest things ever and will change the world. They're currently using to make more profit. We need to apply that knowledge 
to protecting people who need protecting. And if if we could find a way of incentivizing, you know, for the sake of argument, Google, Facebook, Apple, all those guys, to do that, then I think the whole balance question about social media would, would be much easier to have. Because if you can work out where TJ Cosgrove is next going to spend 50 quid, you can also work out which people posting what are at risk of self-harm. You absolutely can. It's, I would suggest, probably simpler to do that latter thing. Because the flags are less nuanced. The fact that you might spend money on item A and I might spend it on item B is probably very difficult to work out. But I am fairly certain that there are patterns of behaviour within people who go on to, to do uh, you know, things to themselves that could be very easily flagged. That's what algorithms do. That's what they're good at. And that's where I think I'd like to see some of this amazing skill set move to, which I appreciate is a massive tangent. Yeah. Social good. Well, uh, no, it's it's not. It's that it's it's using the the same tools that we use to delude ourselves and in quite happily sometimes sure. to shine a light on things that are important and use it for a way. And, and this is where we get into you know you need to carefully use those kind of tools because it, it can do as much harm as it can good. Well, I mean, somebody came up with the idea of ripping jeans, for God's sake. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, I yeah, there is unconscionable. Exactly. Well, that's a word, isn't it? It is a word. It's a perfect word. It's, it's a great word but on which to finish. So, <laughs> I've been Stuart Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was a very tangent-laden episode of 1857.